Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode 121. Today we are continuing our series all about the three P's of a Kodai-inspired classroom, prepare, present, and practice. This episode will be all about the presentation stage. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And it's time for our highs and lows from our teaching week. Uh, first, we want to give a shout out to the Alaska ORF chapter. We went out and spent a lot of time with those folks in Alaska, in Anchorage, um, and had a wonderful time. I had never been to Alaska. Carrie had never been. It was wonderful to see Alaska, but I mean, Anchorage, you know, we didn't get to see all of Alaska, of course, but even better were just the fantastic music educators that we met. Um, and we just loved presenting for them and singing, playing, dancing with them. It was a wonderful time. It was. Thank you, Alaska, or for having us. It was so fun. Yes. Um, and I also want to mention that if you are in the greater Seattle area, I am going to be out on November 5th presenting for the Northwest Kodai Educators chapter, NWKE chapter. I am presenting a workshop called Keep Them Singing, Keep Them Playing. So lots of singing games and, um, and then ways to tie in some pedagogy into those singing games. So then how you use them in your classroom. Yes. And I wanted to, we wanted to also mention that if you are in the Colorado area, Carrie and I are presenting for Rocky, the Regional Organization of Colorado Kodai Educators, on November 12th in Fort Collins at Colorado State University um, in the music building. And we are very excited to get together with our Colorado people. Also, we need to give a little shout out to the podcast Music Ed Insights. Uh, we recently well it was a few weeks ago but we did an interview with those two hosts of music ed insights and it was so much fun um and they have posted i think it's their still their latest podcast episode music ed insights um and it's a short one uh but it's chock full of things so go give that a listen and subscribe to Music Ed Insights. They run a really great podcast over there interviewing lots of not just elementary music teachers, but secondary band, choir, orchestra. They do a fantastic job. So yeah, thank you to Alan and Steve for having us. Um, yes. Our episode is episode number 22, just in case you're looking specifically. And it's it's our tagline. It's called uh, Work Smarter, Not Harder with Tanya Lejeune and Carrie Nicholas. Um, so yeah, like Tanya said, there are, well, I've listened to a lot of their episodes and Me too. They, they do a great job of, of doing episodes um, that intrigue all types of music educators. But I do appreciate that they specifically talked about with our episode, even though we are elementary music educators, there's lots that secondary folks can learn from us, which was very sweet um, yes. of them to say, but, and that's um, true but both vice ways. versa. Yeah, I learn a lot by listening to podcasts with choral directors and ways exactly. I can include those ideas in my classroom. So anyways, yes. it's a great podcast. We'll link to it in our show notes, but definitely um, subscribe and listen to theirs too. Yes, totally. 
Cool. All right. So now back to our highs and lows from the teaching week. Yeah. How's it going, Carrie? What What's going on? Oh, it, it's just really going well. I'm just really starting to feel at home in my new to me school and this week i had my first stations day i did uh stations with second grade through fifth grade um because i kind of had one of those days where i had like an extra day with this particular group of classes because i had been gone the week previous when we were in alaska so it just worked out that with this rotation i got to see these kids for an extra class a bonus class before i start my new rotation on monday so i thought all right it's time let's do some stations and um oh my gosh they loved stations i love stations it was just so fun to get out all of my goodies that i've made over the years and things that i've tucked away and especially this time of year fall i have lots of pumpkin themed things you know matching games with pumpkin shaped cards and um yeah it was just it was just a really fun day and um they did the stations really well and i asked them you know two thumbs up if you loved stations one thumb up one down if it was good you liked it but it's not your favorite thing and two thumbs down if you didn't like it and it was overwhelmingly both thumbs up and the kids were like i can't wait to do this again so just really fun and i just love that moment when things are going well and i can just sit at my desk and just watch the magic happen and it was it was just a really fun thing to do on friday so yes oh and somebody asked us sent a message to us asking if we've talked about stations before and we have do you remember the episode off the top of your head now, Tanya? I don't remember what it I was. I did send that person the specific episode. Oh, I just found it. It's uh, episode 109. So it wasn't that long ago. It was back in March of 2022. Tanya and I did a whole episode about learning stations. So if you are yeah. um, looking to implement stations or just need new ideas for your stations, um, definitely give that podcast a listen. Yes, exactly. How about you, and Tanya? Okay, I'm going to go low okay. and I'm going to out myself for something that I did that was very, oh my goodness, I'm mortified by, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. Just going to tell you anyway. All right, technology. I, I understand technology. I'm not the, I'm, I don't know a lot of technology, but I'm not um, naive to all the things. Anyway, but here I am showing my naivete. Okay. So I had my first singing games night, kindergarten singing games night at my school um, last week. It went very well. I was very proud of those kindergartners. Not that they were performing, but they just, they came with their families. We all sing, we all dance. Um, I did this in cooperation um, alongside of the traveling music teacher, Joey, and we worked well together. It was wonderful. Um, but that afternoon i went into the gym where we have this event and talked to the pe teacher and she was like okay here is the microphone that you can use that broadcasts really well throughout the gym oh and then here you can hook into the sound system with your phone with bluetooth and play the music i only was going to play i mean we only played in the hall of the mountain king and then i played some like as people are coming in fall instrumental music, right? So easy peasy, did that, hooked it up to Bluetooth, had it all ready to go. And then I went back to my room, which shares a wall with the gym because I'm on the stage and the stage opens up into the gym. All right, I um, was in my room and there was a karate cl class going on in the gym as they do every Thursday. 
and that was going and I hear them, you know, doing their call and response and, and their kicks and, and it's very cute and all of that. But, um, then I was making some QR codes for my singing games night and it's kind of mindless stuff, cutting and pasting. And so I thought, Oh, I'll just listen to a podcast right now. So I turned on a podcast, put on my earbuds and I could hear it. It was working. Um, but then after like a minute, it started cutting out and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And I'm thinking, is it my podcast? And I like paused my podcast. I even went over to Instagram and, and it, was it that particular app that's not happening or no, no, Instagram is not really giving me the sound either. Um, and I couldn't figure it out. Um, and so I just kind of shrugged and, and went along my way. I thought I had stopped the podcast by the way. Um, but of course what was happening was that the Bluetooth was still hooked up and a gym full, um, you know, not, not 50 kids, but yeah, probably like 20, 25 kids plus two instructors. They were hearing all the things that I was playing through my phone. And it took me a big chunk of time before I came to and went, um, oh my, I've been broadcasting all the things. <laughs> so, oh my, I was, I, I had left my room to go to the restroom and I saw that the um, karate class, they were now in the hallway and the teachers were leading them in the hallway. And I even did not clue in when I saw that. I was like, I wonder what's going on. Hmm. Yeah, it was shortly after that, that I went, Oh my, they've heard all the things. They've heard everything. I'm so glad I didn't have a phone conversation. Like, and the podcast I was listening to, um, it's not, there's not a lot of language. It's not raunchy, but it's That's not good. entirely school. It wasn't a teaching podcast. It was uh, a podcast called Normal Gossip, which is just very silly what it sounds like normal gossip but people are being catty and it's full of drama and it's like here's some real life gossip and let's discuss it, it's just so silly anyway i'm embarrassed the <laughs> um karate teacher actually like found the principal in the hallway and said i don't know what's going on and she had turned it all the way down and that was the solution because unbeknownst to me i was still playing the podcast like well after i was fiddling with things to see if I could stop to, to see if I could make sounds happen through my earbuds. So anyway, know your tech. Yeah. And, um, this is a very ridiculous thing that now, now I've just told everybody. So there you go. I love it. And I, I am guessing so many people have had a similar situation happen. I mean, I've done it in my own house where all of a sudden I'm starting to play music and I'm like, I can't hear it. And then my kids are like, mom, because there's a Bluetooth speaker like in our kitchen and yeah. they might be watching TV in the family room and they're like, we can't hear your music is playing so loudly. So I, it's happened to all of us. It just happened to you I in know. a public forum, which exactly. is funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's all so good. yeah. So now it is time for our main theme, and today we are talking about the presentation stage or presentation moment of a PPP, 
overall concept plan. So just a, a review of what the three P's are of a Kodai-inspired classroom. Uh, we start with the preparation stage, and that's what we talked about in our last episode, episode 120. And in the preparation stage, you are calling attention to something new through kinesthetic, aural, and visual activities, but you're not necessarily naming it and you're definitely not notating it. Um, so you're doing activities where um, students are, are seeing and hearing and moving and experiencing something new as it compares to something they already know. Yes. Um, and now in this presentation moment, we are showing the notation, giving the name, giving the students the vocabulary and the visual symbol for this new element, again, calling attention to how it relates to the other known things that they've already learned. And then we move into the practice stage where we are taking this new information, applying it to familiar songs, applying it to unfamiliar songs, and then creating new music through composition and improvisation, exploring that new musical concept in many, many different ways, mediums, modalities, skills, concepts, all of the above. So yes. obviously our next episode, episode 122, we'll talk all about practice and ideas yes. for practice. Okay. So with that in mind, uh, on our last episode, we were talking about specifically preparing Ray. Yeah. And Carrie, you're going to tell us how you would present that specific concept, Ray. Yeah. So again, um, you know, a common question about all of these things is what is the length of time of all of these stages? And we always say it depends when it comes to preparation. Um, I'm probably preparing a melodic concept like Ray for definitely six, seven, eight lessons before it is presented. Because as we've talked about many times, melodic concepts are harder. Um, but once the students are showing me that they are identifying this middle note, and I mean middle note, because when I'm doing preparation of Ray, I'm comparing it to Do and I'm comparing it to me. So we're calling it middle for right now. And they're able to sing back to me patterns with Ray. They're able to visually identify Ray through icons. They're able to do body signs where they're showing me Ray is on their thighs in between me, which is on their waist, Do is on their knees. So once I'm seeing that the students are ready, then I know it's time to present. And presentation, even though we call it a stage, it's really just just a moment. And so in the lesson in which I'm going to be presenting new information, what I typically do, and Tanya, you can chime in on this if you do something differently, but I typically make sure that whole lesson is really all about that one concept. And I'm probably not going to be practicing or preparing other things. My presentation lesson is really just that one time, and it only happens a couple times a year, right, where I'm really focused on just that one concept for the entire lesson. Do you do the same yes. or do you mix it up I a little bit? I do do the same, excuse me with my doo-doos, uh, but I want to be clear, and I know that you also feel this way, that the, it's not that the whole lesson is a presentation. No, I do known repertoire that, in, that includes the thing that we're going to present. And then about midway through class, I go, okay, now let's really look at it. Oh, here's the name of it. Now we're going to call it like this. Here it is on the staff. Here's the hand sign or here's what the rhythm looks like. Here's, we know it sounds like this. Oh, let's play it on our laps. Um, so after that presentation, then 
I will have them do like a very short, like immediately practice thing. Exactly. And it looks a little different from melodic to rhythmic. When yeah. I present something melodically, it takes a little tiny bit longer. Yes. And so we, I usually don't have them writing things on the staff in the Ooh. same lesson. Yeah. Oh, you're still in my thunder. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. No, I didn't mean I, to do I agree. that. Keep going. Keep going. Go ahead. Okay. Well, so, all right. So for a melodic thing, there's a lot of visual that I will show with that, but there's also a lot of aural stuff going on. So we're singing it, we're feeling it, we're hand, we're doing hand signs or body signs and they're seeing it on the staff, but it's usually the very next lesson that I will bring in them writing it and yes. but we'll read it anyway i'm gonna let you take it away for that but yeah, yeah so i do try to keep most of the activities during a presentation lesson um around that concept but that doesn't mean it takes the entire time to actually present that now this is all also padded with i have them come in we're singing an opening song or we're hearing the musician of the day and at the end of class we might have a closure activity that's you know not exactly in line with the specific thing that we just learned but um yes for the most part it's all that especially melodically i would never want to say now let's sing this song that has high does or low so's in it yeah, when that that's confusing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, let me get specific with what a melodic presentation looks like for me because it is um, it's kind of a formula that I I typically do for all melodic presentation lessons, um, changing it up by grade, obviously. So like you said, I will probably have my students come in and sing some sort of an opening song or do an opening singing game just as as like a little warm up, you know, for for maybe five minutes. It could be related to the melodic concept that I'm going to be presenting, or it just might be something fun, might be something like this time of year for Halloween or something like that, right? Um, but then I'm going to do kind of like my last minute preparation just to really make sure they're ready because if they're not during this next activity, I honestly in the moment might might do more preparation and not decide to present that day. But typically I do know by this point that they're ready for it because of the lessons previous. So what I typically do um, is a song match activity. So up on my smart board or on my Mimeo board, I have title of three songs that all contain Ray that we've been using in the preparation stage. So for example, I might use Hop Old Squirrel, Hot Crust Buns, Great Big House in New Orleans. And I wouldn't necessarily write out then the entire you know melody for either of those. I'm isolating a little pattern that contains that mi, re, do, or do, re, mi, or whatever it is. So for Hop Old Squirrel, I would isolate the idle dum di, the mi, mi, re, do. And for Hot Cross Buns, I would just isolate the mi, re, do. And for Great Big House, I would isolate the uh, mi, so, mi, re, do, filled with pumpkin pie. So the idea is I have like on the left side of the board, the song titles. And on the right side of the board, I have those melodic patterns written out um, with icons on a staff or maybe note heads for the known pitches or and an icon replacing the unknown pitch, but they can still kind of see where it is on the staff. So we're very visually close to that official presentation stage. So we sing through the three songs and then we do a song match activity where we identify the patterns and we match them up to whatever songs they are. And we can do that on the smart board by using the, you know, 
electronic marker to drag a line, you know, students can help me do that. So we're matching songs to the patterns. And then ideally, then we would have a change of pace moment where then we go and we sing and do one of those singing games. So maybe we go do Great Big House just to give them that little quote unquote brain break, right? And then after we come back from that moment, then comes that moment of presentation. So, hey kids, you know this middle sound that we've been noticing? So let's take Hot Cross Buns as an example. Then I'm choosing specifically which song that I wanna be presenting with. We know that this one is me and we know this one is is do the sound in between musicians call that ray here's the body sign for ray and here or here's the hand sign if you're doing hand signs you know it's up to you how you want to do it and then like tanya said here's where it is on the staff if me is on the line and do is on the line below it ray is where in the space in between and then at that point i'm a big fan again of with my smart board or my mimeo board having like an electronic staff with note heads i can manipulate and move up and down and since this is a presentation of ray i really would just focus on do, re, mi, mi, re, do patterns. So I would maybe move one note head at a time to change the pattern. So we could start with mi, re, do, and then I might move the last note head back up to me. So now they sing mi, re, mi, and I'm just doing these quick change, you know, melodic reading activities. And then that would transition into my next re song. So then I might end with a different pattern of mi, re, do. Oh, doesn't that sound exactly like pumpkin pie or whatever other song I want to do next. And then that transitions me into another brain break change of pace moment where we go play a different singing game. Or maybe it's bow wow wow if we're focusing on the song bow wow wow whose dog art thou. So I'm using that melodic pattern then to trans to transition into now another known song. I wouldn't give them an unknown song at this time. I would definitely stick with songs that they know. And so then after we have that little change of pace moment, then I have them typically play on the bard instruments. So this is something like you mentioned early on in my Kodai-inspired career, I was like, oh, I got to get them writing on the staff right away. And that is so cognitively challenging for students. And it's so minute and small. What I love about playing on bard instruments when I do a melodic presentation is that they're seeing the steps and skips in action right yes, away. Yes. So I might set up the bard instruments um, ahead of time where maybe we just have, if we're singing an F do, um, F, G, and A. So we identify that F is do and A is me. So which one is Ray? Oh, it's G. And then yes. from there, students, we can echo play different melodies and then they can play hot cross buns or whatever melodic patterns I want them to be playing. And um, what so I love about the bard instruments, because I agree, because I love putting them on bard instruments because, and I was doing this just this past week with second graders reviewing So and Me and bring, starting to bring in law, is that it's visual because they see the skips, but it's also oral because uh -huh. they hear it. And so when we put them on the staff, there's that disconnect, right? Yeah. That... The staff, unless you make it sing, you know, the staff is not going to play the notes yeah. Yeah. for you. 
Exactly. Yeah. And so then from that, that exploration on the bard instruments, then I would probably end with them playing one more song that includes Ray. And then that transitions us into one more singing game to leave. So, you know, like you mentioned earlier, even though I'm only focusing on Ray melodically during this lesson, we're singing, we're playing bard instruments, we're reading things on the staff, and we're doing it with multiple songs. It's not just hot crust buns for 45 minutes, because, oh my gosh, we would all go crazy, no. right? No. So that's why you want to make sure you have that arsenal of really good gem songs for whatever that melodic pattern is, or rhythmic pattern, as we're going to talk about next, so that you're doing multiple song literature in the same lesson, and it feels fresh because of that. And then, like you said, I would likely then, because cognitively they've been doing so much in this lesson, I do want to give them that fun relaxation at the end. So we might do a folk dance or, again, something seasonal for this time of year. Um, and it just gives them that moment of fun and lets their brains kind of come down from all the new information that was being thrown at them. So all of that would probably be, in my school, I have 50-minute uh, classes, so that would probably be a 50-minute class in, in my room for a melodic presentation lesson. Well, there you go. Cool. Okay. Very nice. So all now right. Tanya's going to talk about rhythmically what you might do to present. Yes. So we're going to aim in, zone into T, Tika, which is three unequal sounds on one beat, and during our preparation phase, the emphasis is on, okay, we've got three sounds, which sound is longest? And we've discover that it's the first sound. When we've been doing preparation written, like if we've been doing some rhythmic um, dictation and writing out known songs, I have them call it long, short, short, and it's one beat long. That's another huge takeaway is that we have that feeling of it's three sounds and they're one it's lasts for one beat, but it's also long, short, short within that. Naturally, a lot of them will guess at in the preparation stage, they'll say, well, is it Tikka Tikka? Because that's the first thing that they connect to. Oh, oh we know Tikka Tikka has all those sounds on a beat. And so it's great when they do that because you can say, well, let's compare. And this is a good discovery moment where they go, oh no, it's three sounds, not four. Where's the longest sound? It's in the beginning. And when we write it, I really have them, it looks like Morris code, do a dash and then a dot dot mm -hmm. for their long, short, short. Yeah. So we do a, a lot in the preparation stage, calling it long, short, short, and um, playing it on instruments, playing beat versus rhythm. These kids are on, say, tubanos and playing the beat, people on wood blocks, you're playing the rhythm and we're noticing the beat. It's one beat with long, short, short lasting for that one beat. The songs we've been using are The Tailor and the Mouse, Jean de la Moonla. I don't think I mentioned Fire in the Mountain last time, but I do use that one too. And I had also mentioned last time that I have so many, and many people do, uh, tea ticka songs that are not in English, yeah. which gives an additional challenge. So my go-to um, present song is the Taylor and the Mouse. Yeah. Because Jean de la Moonla is in French. So it's just a little bit cha more challenging that we have to also worry about this language. We want to make it as simple as possible. I want the focus to be on the rhythm, not on the language. Right. Fire in the Mountain is one I have also used to present. But the tricky thing about Fire in the Mountain is it depends on your, um, 
accent dialect in the school that you teach. Yes. So at my last school, those students, when we would figure out the rhythm for fire in the mountain, they really would say fire in the mountain, which is a ticka ticka. And that's yeah. four sounds. And it's been very interesting. I don't know where the breakdown is, but at my new school, I have been every single class that I have used fire in the mountain with, I have sat them down and go, okay, now let's decode this. And we're all writing. How many sounds do we hear for a fire in the mountain? And they all say three. Okay. They hear fire as one sound in the, which is makes it a great tea ticka song for yeah. them. But you, you just have to really know the students in the room. How are they feeling it? Is it fire in the, or right. is it fire in the, right? You so, can technically still use it though, because you still get in the second phrase. Yeah, you in the red, the red coat. Yes, yeah, exactly. So you could still technically use it and make fire in the a ticka ticka as far as I know. I know. Yeah, um, it's not as fun. And well, and that's what we talked about is finding songs, especially for your presentation, where the T ticka is very prominent. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that maybe then wouldn't be the best presentation. Which is why I go, usually go with the tailor and the mouse yeah, 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 totally. because it's in the response. Hi diddle, I'm come fiddle, right? That hi diddle is just perfect. Also, it's the very first beat in the response, so it's really it really stands out. And that high diddle is much is just so easy to sing, to clap, to move. Um, we even play the rhythm in our feet for high diddle, I'm come fiddle, and it happens over and over and over again in the Taylor and the Mouse. So, um, when it comes to the presentation lesson, they will come in. We'll usually sing an opening song. I'm a big fan in fourth grade of having having an opening song of that just happens to be our opening song around this time of year which works very well into when we when i do present tea ticka but i don't use that because it's in french so i usually have them come in we do an opening song or we hear the musician of the day and then we will like you had said we will review those songs um fire in the mountain we'll sing it we'll tap the rhythm we'll do some physical things with it and then we'll probably get up and play the game for that quote relaxation change of pace brain break you know that kind of we're changing gears we're not taxing ourselves with decoding or making sure we're um, showing a beat versus rhythm right and then we'll come back and i love to do rhythmic presentation through dictation mm -hmm. and i don't do it with technology because there's just too many things could go wrong i do it with good old-fashioned whiteboards and black expo markers yep. right so we sit down and we write four beat dots or four hearts i don't even do hearts these days because they get so wrapped up in like making the perfect heart so yeah. i just call them beat dots so we do four dots across our board um, and we are talking about um, the tailor and the mouse. I'm interested in the part that goes, hi diddle um come fiddle. Let's tap our beats while we sing that. So we're tapping the beats while we're singing, hi diddle um come fiddle. 
And now let's decode this, but let's start with the fourth B. What did we feel in the fourth B? And they come up with, oh, that was a rest. That's a piece of silence. And so we write in a re rest. All right, now let's back it up. Hi, diddle, um, come, feedle. Oh, what about feedle? How many sounds do we hear? Oh, two. That's TT. So this is very easy, very quick. It's all things that we know. All right. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead to the first beat. Yeah. Let's get to that first, first beat. Hi, diddle. Oh, hey, that's that long, short, short is what they sound, mm -hmm. say. And they will write it with their dash, dot, dot. Um, and then uh, we talk about comparing it to no things. We mention ticka ticka again, usually comes up. Like, let's go ahead and draw a ticka ticka. And we draw the four stems. And remember, we need two beams because it's a ticka ticka. It's not T-T-T-T because that would be two beats. Mm -hmm. So we've got our four sticks. And oh, yeah, the long sound is first. And then we deliberately with a finger say, let's make that first sound um, without a double beam. So so this is where I want to show diagrams. This would I know it's hard to so talk much. About. <laughs> it's hard to, to describe. Okay. Basically, we take a ticka ticka. We erase the second stick or yeah. stem, right? Oh, well, that looks funky. That doesn't work because, you know, we, well, we, let's make this first part an eighth note or a T. Yeah. We've divided up the T into two sounds. Um, and so then we erase the double beam at the top and we've got a T ticka. So I just, we just name it. We've, we have written it. It's like, well, now let's practice writing it without doing the erasing. And yeah. so underneath, we'll draw, draw three up and down sticks because every stick equals the sound, T ticka. And, oh, let's put a beam across the top. But our short, short sounds are the ticka part. So let's make sure we put a double beam under sounds two and three under that first beam. Oh, and then we've got that T. So this is really a T ticka. And then I do a very silly story that um, people have given me flack about. I mean, one person, but anyway, uh, <laughs> that I do show on the board. Well, you know, ticka ticka. Here we go. Here's our ticka ticka. One beat. Here's TT. One beat. Oh, I, I, but I flopped them. First I show TT, sure. ticka ticka, next to each other. And I said, these two rhythms, they got married. They had two kids. Yep. I know. I know. Oh, no, I I'm do it too. Flack. Oh, do you? Yeah. Uh, we, have, we have a friend who, who has given me grief who says that. So, you know, why? Because it's, it's memorable. Funny. And it's, it's novelty. And it's memorable. All right. So they had two children. And the first was, you know how you're half your mom, half your dad? The first was half TT. So just one T. And half ticka ticka. So just half of the last part of ticka ticka. Uh -huh. And then ta-da. And they had this first child. And that child was T ticka. Yeah. Yeah. I do the exact same thing. And it's so yeah. funny because, yeah, I mean, I used to present T ticka earlier, you know, third grade. And I've been doing it later. And I notice now that I'm doing it later, it's more of an issue for older students than it is for younger students. Because older students have maybe had the talk so therefore this whole idea of having a baby is a little bit more risque to them than when they're little they're like oh cool okay no problem <laughs> so right. just know your kids i guess before you yeah but the part. thing is it's not just me having fun and throwing in something we know that surprise and novelty 
make learning stick, right? Yes. So this is that novelty, right? So when they all, I used to, when I first was presenting it this way, I used to kind of like, roll my eyes inwardly when they would be like, oh, you know, they didn't make, they don't make a huge fit about it. So I used to go, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it this way. But actually when they go, oh my, I I can't believe you went there, Miss Lejeune. When they do that, that means that they're a little bit shocked. Yep. Right. They're a little bit surprised. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to make that learning memorable. Yeah. Additionally, I always have one or two or more kids go, oh, I know who the second kid is. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. What do you do? Or in Mike? Yeah, I had a kid who just yelled out. So then what about ticket There's going to be one of those too, right? (laughs) So then you say you're, well, perhaps, but we're not going to talk about that today. Right. Yeah. So I don't spend a lot. I don't tell a long story about their courtship and matrimony. It's just kind (laughs) of a, by the way, look at the hybrid. This is a hybrid rhythm. It's half TT and half Tikka Tikka. Yeah. Right. So we do it through rhythmic dictation. Then I'm like, okay, now let's do some more rhythmic dictation. Erase the rhythms, but not your beat dots. Um, And would you please write T Tikka Ah. T ticka T T ticka ticka T T and I'll just say it just like that, and they go ahead and write it. Oh, let's check. Oh, uh, that sounds like something we know. Is it fire in the mountain or Jean la Moonla? And they take a minute and they go, Oh, look, Jean la Moonla ticka ticka ticka. Right? Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> and then from there, we do a tiny bit more rhythmic dictation because yes, like you said, we want to make sure that we show it's not just this song. That mm-hmm. we have this element. Oh, look, it's in this other song we know. Oh, look, it's in this other song we know. Um, and by that point, we erase boards, we put things away. We'll probably play the game um, Taylor and the Mouse because right. we, we're moving, we're dancing. And yeah, that would be a rhythmic presentation lesson. And I have no problem with marrying rhythms to each other and having <laughs> them have children. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I do the same thing with rhythm dictation, um, having them write it right away, I think really cements it in their brain. It's like doing something concrete, like, you know, like I mentioned with the ORF instruments for melodic, it's if that they're doing something, I mean, you said it's aural, but it's also physical too, yes. in a way, you know, that they're, that they're having to write this thing and then that's going to cement it into their brain. So yes. Oh, and just a, a little aside in that vein is that when we're, when I'm doing rhythmic dictation, especially with boards and pens, we're writing it but then when we're saying it we're tapping it and tracking at the same time so this is one of those times where I'm specifically having them track and play the rhythm normally when we're doing any kind of tracking of rhythm we're feeling the beat and speaking the rhythm this is a time where they're just I put they put the they flip their pin over their marker and they're tapping every sound because we're hearing it we're feeling it we're seeing it all at the same time yeah Yeah. So some common themes, I think, between both rhythmic and melodic presentation lessons is that you're using known song literature. You're not going to throw new song literature at them yet. We're going to save that for the practice stage. You're looking for gem songs where the new concept is prominent and you can compare it to other things that they know and that you're using song literature, a variety of song literature, so that you're not just doing the same song for the entire class or 
Also, it's important to remind everyone that, you know, when you're pulling out patterns for dictation and for reading and for echoing, that they're not just random patterns that came from nowhere. They're patterns from real song literature. That's really powerful because they're going to be um, familiar to the kids. They've heard these patterns before, but also yeah. it's just more authentic. You're not just doing theory work with them. You're not just yeah. doing drill and kill with them. You're doing things that relate to real song literature that then they're going to be able to sing and perform and enjoy in an authentic way exactly and they would be doing the same thing in a say reading and writing classroom where if we're learning phrases if we're learning spelling words for example we're going to show oh look these are words that are used in things that we read and things that we write it's the same totally all right so next episode we'll be talking all about practice any other final thoughts for presentation though are we feeling like we covered the bases? I think so. And you know, like we continue to say, we just gave two specific examples of one melodic, one rhythmic. Every single rhythm or melodic element has its own inherent challenges. Like yeah. you notice we didn't talk about uh, cinco pa or tita ti right now because when I do, uh, prep for tita ti that is a longer preparation than any other rhythm that I teach because of that syncopated feel and there's other things that go along with this so just because we've said oh the, here's how we do a presentation of tita don't think that 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 means that that's exactly what happens for every single rhythm or every single melody is going to be exactly how Carrie described Ray and that's what keeps I think just teaching as a practice really fun and engaging is yeah. that yeah there's new challenges with every little thing especially when we get talking next episode about practicing and comparing all of the previous known knowledge and putting our new knowledge in it just gets very fun with all the things that we can do now that we are going to be practicing these things totally and if you want to learn more, remember the best way to do that is in Kodai levels, taking Kodai levels. Take your Kodai um, levels, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just always want to remind folks that what we can talk about on this podcast or what you can read in a blog or anything, it's it's just never going to compare to getting the full gamut of understanding that you one would get from Kodai levels. So start looking into that now if this is all interesting to you. It's time for our Know Better, Do Better segment. Carrie, give us an idea to make sure that we are staying culturally relevant and meeting the needs of all. What do sure. you have? So I want to talk about something. It's it's kind of a hybrid of Know Better, Do Better, and a coda. Um, I have talked about my absolute love and admiration for Rhiannon Giddens and all of her work um, as a musician, a multi-instrumentalist. She is the uh, artistic director of the Silk Road Ensemble, which is just amazing live performances of all different world musics and musicians. Um, and she has released a picture book. I believe it's her first picture book from what I understand. Ooh. And it's based on a song that she created um, during 
you know, lockdown time, she had done a Facebook performance or a YouTube performance, I guess I should say, with um, with Yo-Yo Ma, um, you know, socially distanced, of course. And it was a song that she uh, composed called Build a House. And then later on, she had announced that she was going to be releasing a picture book. So I immediately went on Amazon and I pre-ordered this book and then, you know, kind of forgot about it. And it showed up at my door this week. And it is so beautiful. The illustrations are so beautiful. I love the song. Um, and so I'm just going to read the description of the book right from her own website. Um, it says, African Americans were forcibly enslaved and brought to this land to build houses they were not allowed to live in tend to families who are not their own and sow the seeds that fed a nation while being left with only scraps themselves they were not expected to thrive but they did and so that's really the basis of this the song in this picture book it features a, a young girl and it shows these different stages of her life where her parents are building a house for white folks and then they are forced to leave that area um, the most poignant part of this book though and this song which I think is a great reminder for us as music teachers and music educators there is a verse which she says I learned your words and wrote a song and then later on it said but then you came and took my song and claimed it for your own and it shows a picture of the girl and her family and in the background you see like a white string band like a bluegrass band and it's just that that reminder of so many of our folk songs come from the black tradition and the importance of we say it all the time doing our research and understanding where these things songs come from so we can talk about it with our students and we can have a deeper understanding you know it was just it's just a poignant moment in the book and i think it could lead to a great conversation with your with your students especially your older students and that whole idea of appropriation and what is appropriation and why is it not okay? Um, so anyways, I will drop the links in the show notes to all of these things, to the book um, itself. And then there is a YouTube video of images of the book. And this is totally legal. It's on Rhiannon Giddens' YouTube page. Um, but you hear her singing the song and it shows pictures from the book. So, um, but I will say 100% you should buy the book because it's absolutely beautiful and we know the power I'm of buying it right now, Carrie. Oh, yeah. Get on it. Um, it's gorgeous. Um, and yeah, I mean, we know the power of, you know, us singing the song to our own students. However, me as a white woman, I would also find power in hearing the song from Rhiannon Giddens in his own voice as a black woman and this being her point of view so this is a case where i definitely argue for also play the recording this this is a time where it makes a lot of sense to do both um and then finally there's a really great video and this is really the where this song originated from of her and yo-yo ma performing this song together so you can see rhiannon getting playing her banjo yo-yo ma is accompanying on cello um and it's just a really beautiful performance so thank you to rhiannon giddens for this beautiful gift because the book and the song are powerful and important and um, I can't wait to share it with my students in my class. Wow, cool. So now it's time to work smarter not harder and Tanya has something to share. Yes, okay. Google, Google Drive is a good thing. Yes, I have lots of Google folders, all divided up, color-coded, all of those things. But I have some issues because I tend to make copies of things that I like and it fills up 
my Google Drive, and yes, I have gotten the notifications before that I've had I have too much stuff. <laughs> have you had that, Carrie? Have you ever had a thing? Yeah, in my personal drive, you mean? Either I've got a personal and I've got a school drive. I mean, I um, think our school drive is gigantic. If you're already is, getting yes. messages, that's scary. But no, my no. personal drive. My personal drive, I'm getting the messages. I mean, I pay a fee, a small fee to have a larger drive. And that's I really know. because I, I use my Google Drive for everything. I've never been a fan of Dropbox. And so that's where everything lives. But to each their I own. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so regardless something that I recently started doing um, and I did this when I was looking at some district documents that I didn't want to make a copy of but that I wanted to be able to pull up easily is that you can make a shortcut so if you are looking at a document and it is open and we're talking about like Google Docs or a slide deck or anything that can live in a Google folder that has been shared with you um what you can do is oh now i'm trying to do it and it's not going is under file we can make a shortcut there's also a little um, also, icon. yes it looks like the google drive icon with a little plus sign on it and sometimes it just lives up in your your little menu area Right, my menu is too closed down. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, there's a little folder. There's a star. You can star things, and that makes things rise to the top. And right next to it is a little file folder, and it says Add Shortcut to Drive. And if you click that, it'll give you a choice of, okay, what folder do you want, do you want in? Um, and you can make that shortcut go to a specific place just like you would if you were making a copy of something. And so this is just a way to kind of keep things tidier. Now I've got to go back and like delete some copies of things because um, I'm not a fan of seeing copy of right. blah, blah, blah. Because it messes up when I'm looking for something. It, it messes up the nomenclature. I want it to be really clean and not say copy of, copy of, copy of. Makes sense. Right. Yeah, so putting a shortcut saves the room in your drive if you need that room and yes on my personal the district one is fine but I also know as soon as I leave the district it's not very in our district it's like the next day that you're not employed everything's gone I know although I did no. hear that in our latest contract there's a new thing that they've negotiated that to not happen and that you can get stuff out but still yeah I, I, I do not I don't trust that I'm just <laughs> like this is why my personal drive is just so full. So yeah, make a shortcut by clicking the little folder. That way you don't have to have it um, just crowding up your file folders and your drive. Totally. That's it. Yeah. And now it's time for our CODA section where we talk about something we've been enjoying in or out of the music room. What are you into right now, Carrie? Okay, I'm going to talk about it in the music room thing. Um, another picture book. <laughs> Two for one today. Um, I stumbled upon this book in my 
grocery store in the Halloween section, and I've been meaning to get it, so I was pretty excited to find it. Um, it's Going on a Goon Hunt by Michael Rex, and um, if you're a fan like me of going on a bear hunt, which I always do with my first graders as I'm introducing Grizzly Bear, it's such a great tie-in to Grizzly Bear for Loud and Soft, so then we've already done that, so then this is a perfect time to then show them Going on a Goon Hunt, because I think the power of parody books is that they need to know the original, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, this book in particular, it's it's very clever the way he he did it because it's very much modeled after the picture book with the the family with the dog, you know, that's going on the bear hunt that we've we've seen so many times. Um, so it's like a family with a dog and they're all dressed up for Halloween and it's cute because the littlest one she's got like this little pink onesie unicorn Halloween costume on and throughout all these scary situations they go through she's never afraid of anything like everyone else is scared and she's like having so much fun and she's laughing at the mummies as they go by and all the things that they see and then um spoiler alert they find a goon at the end and the goon chases them home and the goon ends up in bed with them at the end but my students were so concerned because they're like where's the little girl we don't see the little girl did she get lost well then on the last page you flip the page and it's like all the creepy halloween characters we've been meeting along the way she's having like a big dance party with them at the end of the book and then that right. led us into monster mash and we had a little dance party with monster mash after we got Ugh, the book so. i am not a fan of that song i, tell you. <laughs> I only am for this time of year well of I, course everyone. this is one of those when you when you're in charge of all the music in your room you don't play the things that of you course. just don't like. I like the Monster Mash. Um, anyways, so yeah, going on a goon hunt, they thought it was hilarious because they understood the parody from the original. And then we did a little sound story where each little section, you know, had a different instrument. So going through the pumpkin patch, we played drums. And going through the swamp, we played sand blocks because it had that swishy kind of sound, you know. And it was yeah. cute because the kids helped me decide which instruments would be good for what part. And then use the TikTok blocks for the part where we're walking and yeah yes. it was just a fun little a little moment in first grade yesterday um and a fun addition to my halloween picture book collection so no that sounds great i didn't mean to yuck your yum with the monster it's mash. okay just... monster mash was not really my coda my coda i is know going on a goon hunt by michael Rex. going on a goon that's it has we love going on a bear hunt yes. yeah and he has um other parody books um that i just thought were funny like so instead of goodnight moon he has goodnight goon and instead of the runaway bunny he has the runaway mummy so he takes these you know classic picture books that we as as parents definitely we have in our libraries and puts a fun twist on them so very cute very nice cool all right what's your yum that i get to yuck no i'm just kidding <laughs> Totally. Um, it's actually not an in the classroom thing. It's just a book I have been reading. It's a novel called Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus, and it just centers around a woman in the early 1960s in California who is a chemist, and she is very much aware of what's happening in the world of chemistry as far as her ideas and her research and um, the things that she wants to do are much more harder for, for her because she is a woman. And so it's a lot, of, it's actually, uh, it, I'm making it sound a lot more heavier than it is because it's very, it's a much, very much a kind of lighthearted book and um, it's amusing. I wouldn't say it's outright humorous, but 
definitely there's themes of feminism in there, but she turns out to be the host of a cooking show because she's so good with chemistry. Um, her chemistry leads her to really create fantastic recipes and everybody gets into this cooking show and it kind of sparks this revolution in a small okay. way. So it's just, it's just a fun read. And uh, yeah, it's called Chemi Lessons in Chemistry. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link in our show notes and on our Facebook page. In our next episode, we'll be talking about the practice stage of a Kodai-inspired classroom. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.